Well, good morning. Happy Easter. I always love Easter because this is the climax of why we're here. This is the climax of why the church comes together. This is the climax of why Jesus is worthy of our praise and our life. And so when I think about the resurrection, I don't think about the Jesus that had to die, but I think about the Jesus that has all power. Do you believe that Jesus has all power and authority over everything? In Revelation, John speaks of a vision. And this vision is of Jesus, the glorified Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the one who sits at the right hand of God. And he saw Jesus in all his glory. We have no idea what that's like. But Jesus is glorious. And he has all power and authority. And so when John saw him, this is what he writes about this account. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he, Jesus, he came and he placed his right hand on me. And he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Do you see what Jesus says? In all his power, in all his glory, in all his might, Jesus says, fear not. Fear not, for I have died for you, and I have conquered death and Hades and hell, and I hold the keys. This is a Jesus who has power. This is a Jesus who gives righteousness And this is a Jesus who does this by grace alone. And that is what the resurrection of Jesus is about. It's it's God's righteousness, the gift of righteousness, revealed. It's, It's God's power to change us, to bring us from the dead. It's revealed. The resurrection is God's grace His love for us revealed. And so this morning, I want to look through Romans. We've been in the book of Romans for the past two weeks, and I want to stay in Romans, and I want to go through pieces of Romans with this this theme of the resurrection and what, what Paul is speaking the truth about this resurrection to us. But first, I just want to speak this beautiful gospel to us, just to remind us of how precious and how wonderful it is to us. So this is the gospel message. Jesus, he came from glory. He came from heaven to be born of a virgin, to live with us. Jesus actually came to earth and lived among us. 
He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man. This is God in the flesh. He lived a righteous life. This is important to the gospel. He lived a righteous life. Because we can't live a righteous life. So him living a righteous life is very important to us. Because if he didn't live a righteous life, he can't impute his righteousness to us. But we have righteousness because he is righteous. And so he lived a righteous life. Hebrews 4.15, it says, he's tempted in every way, just as we are, (laughs) yet without sin. Thank you, Jesus. He was completely obedient to the Father and the Spirit, seeking to do His will only, even to the point of death. The lowest point of a human is death, but not just death, death on a cross. The worst death you could have. So the Son of God, He died. He died. Jesus actually died. He became a cold, lifeless, breathless body. No heartbeat for three whole days. Holes in his hands, holes in his feet, and holes in his side. And this experience of death was on a righteous man. He didn't deserve death. He was righteous. There's nothing he did to deserve the death he received. And this death was the experience of the full wrath of God for all the sins of us in here in this room, for all the sins of the world. No one can fathom the shame and the terror of this death. No one. And all of this happened because of our unrighteousness, of our powerlessness, and of our inability to receive grace and righteousness. So he didn't stay in the grave. He didn't stay in the tomb. He resurrected from the dead. This is what we celebrate this morning. He resurrected from the dead. They put Jesus in a tomb and sealed it with a heavy stone. And on the third day, he resurrected. He rose from the dead. He defeated death and sin. And his resurrection was the proof that his sacrifice fully satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf. And then he ascended to the right hand of God. And so now he reigns with all power and all authority where he intercedes on our behalf to the Father.
that picture here in Revelation is this picture of one who reigns with power and authority. And then God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Finally, Christ will return. He is coming back to judge the living and the dead and to bring us all home for those who belong to him. Wow. What hope do we have in Jesus Christ? This is good news. This is what we celebrate this morning. But now I want to take you down a path for just a second so that we can fully embrace the significance of the resurrection and its implications on our life in Christ. Sometimes you you see the church, when, when we speak about the gospel, we leave out the resurrection. We just talk about the life and death of Jesus, and, and that is part of the gospel. But without the resurrection, we have nothing. We have no hope. And we see Paul, he does this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, if we don't rise from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, our message is empty. Our faith is futile. It's in vain. Us as apostles, we're false teachers. Your sin, our sin, is still alive and well in us. The forgiveness of sins is not there anymore. So Paul goes through 1 Corinthians. He's talking to the church of Corinth, and he says... If Christ is not risen, your life, everything you live for, everything you worship, everything you teach about, the gospel that is on your lips, it's all in vain. It means nothing. And he uses this to remind them Christ is risen. We do have resurrection life. The message is true. Our faith does have meaning. Our life is important because of the cross and because of the resurrection. Sometimes we don't realize the importance of things until it's gone. When your wife or husband goes away on a trip and you're home alone or when someone passes away, or something gets missing, you rediscover the love you have for it. You rediscover how important it is to you. You rediscover the value of it. But we are people here in America that live in such a way that we take things for granted. I don't want us to do that with the resurrection. I don't want us to think that, oh, you know, Jesus did all this and then, you know, he rose from the dead. I want us to really look at the implications of what the resurrection means to us and really spell it out through the scripture and really look at it and say, God, we are thankful. 
God, we want to worship you. We adore you. We love you. Thank you for the resurrection. So what would it be like if we didn't have the resurrection of Jesus? I'm going from a negative perspective, but all to bring this, to redirect us in a positive perspective. What would it be like if we didn't have the resurrection of Jesus? What would that mean for us now? The first and most important thing is that we would not have salvation. Our sins, all our unrighteousness would be ours. It'd be ours to bear. It'd be ours for judgment day. We couldn't be made right before God without the resurrection. We couldn't be justified. That word justified, it means to be made and made right standing with God. That you can stand before him not guilty, but righteous. Without the resurrection, we wouldn't be given new life. We wouldn't have this new life in Christ, but we would still be in our old life. Sin would have its dominion over us. We wouldn't be able to live for the Spirit, but we would live for the flesh. Sin would have its dominion. It would have its way with us. And we would still be going for the folly of the world, lost as ever. Third thing is, we would not be able to be resurrected from the dead. Death and its power would still be reigning, and our hope from the grave would be good as dead. We have no hope from the grave without the resurrection. Lastly, all the evil things of this world, all the things that Satan is a part of, all these things that we see with our eyes and our, and our hearts as evil, it would separate us from the love of God. And it would overcome us. But Christ is risen. Christ is alive. So we do have salvation. This may seem strange, but when we talk about being justified from our sins, we usually talk about the death of Jesus. But the scripture speaks of the death of Jesus and the resurrection being tied together, close together, when it comes to our salvation. Justification, sanctification, glorification, it's all because of the resurrection of Christ. The death and resurrection of Christ is our salvation. And without it, we have no justification. We are guilty. So the death and resurrection, they're inseparable when it comes to salvation. Because of the resurrection, we have been united to Christ in his death. And that we are dead to our sins and sin no longer is our master. But we've also been united 
to him in his resurrection and that we can live for him in his life. Because he's resurrected, we will resurrect from the dead. Does that blow your mind? When we, when we see death around us and we experience it, it feels like it's hopeless. But our faith believes a promise. And we believe that we'll be resurrected. We have the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead in us, living in us. And we experience this resurrection on the day of Christ's return, and we experience this resurrection here on earth. Resurrection life now. And then lastly, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. And nothing can or will separate us from the love of God. So let's look in Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 4. That's where we'll stop first. And we're going to be in a lot of scripture. And I'm not going to really probably speak as much. I'm just going to read the scripture together. We're going to just immerse ourselves in the truth of the scripture. And let it speak. Let the spirit teach us well. And let it bring about faith in those who do not know Jesus. And let it bring about worship, adoration, and thanksgiving. So turn to Romans chapter 4. Now, like I said, we're going to be going through the resurrection in Romans. And the, the thought process here, when I, when I read through these scriptures, there's three things that I saw. God's righteousness revealed, God's power revealed, and God's grace revealed. We, we see in Romans 1 where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation. This gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus for those who have faith in him. It says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's verse 17, chapter 1 in Romans. For in the gospel, the the righteousness of God is revealed. And here we will see this beautiful righteousness of God revealed. And what does he mean by righteousness of God? He means the gift of righteousness. This gift of righteousness, he's holding out his hand, and you can take it. It had a cost, but it's not any cost to you in the sense that he died for you, and he conquered death and sin for you. Your only response is faith. And so Romans Chapter 4, verse 20 through 25. Let's read. Yet he did not waver. He is Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why... It was credited to him as righteousness. 
the words, it was credited to him, were written not only for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. There's the resurrection. Verse 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. There's the resurrection again. He was raised to life for our justification. So, in context here, Paul is saying, he's talking about Abraham. And Abraham had a promise from God. God told him to go outside and look at the stars. He said, if you can count them, count them. He said, so the stars are, your offspring will be as well. He had a promise. But Abraham, when he's talking about Abraham, he's talking about a moment in Abraham's life where he had no hope. Abraham was 100 plus years old. And his wife Sarah, barren, her womb was as dead. And so the hopelessness in Abraham's life looked like it would overcome him. This promise that he received from God seemed like it could never be fulfilled. But it says, yet, he did not waver. He had hope in the promise of God. He has hope. He had faith in the promise of God. That was why he didn't waver. He knew God could do whatever he needed to do. That God wasn't limited to our minds. He wasn't limited to our actions. He wasn't limited to anything. He is over life and death. And he says, this is why it was credited to him righteous. Because he believed. He believed the promise of God. He had faith. And then Paul says, these words, it was credited to Abraham. It's not just for him. He's using Abraham as an example to bring us to a point where we understand that if we have faith, if we believe, for, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. For those who believe, they are justified. For those who believe the death and resurrection for their life, for their salvation, they will be justified. And so here in Romans 4, we see we are justified. Not by anything we've done. Not by any works we have done. But by God's grace alone through his death and resurrection. And it says we are justified through the resurrection of Christ. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 
Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So here we see we are dead to sin, alive in Christ. Because of the resurrection, we can be sanctified. We can become more like Christ. Because of the death of Jesus and how we're united to Jesus, because of his death, we have died to our sin. But not just united in his death, but we are united in his resurrection. This means that we can live a life for Christ. There is no excuse. We can live a life for Christ because of his resurrection power in us. So we are dead to sin and alive in Christ because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's turn to Romans 8. Romans 8, starting in verse 9. He says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. Just above that, he says, Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. He says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, everyone in here, you're subject to death because of your sin. It says, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Wow. We have the Spirit of God living in us. Those who belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. If Christ did not resurrect from the dead, we have no spirit. We don't have the Spirit of God in us. He says, because we have the Spirit of God that lives in us, One day, that same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, he will resurrect you from the dead. So the same spirit that lives in you was the same spirit that resurrected Jesus. What power do we have? 
in Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Lastly, let's go to verse 31, same chapter, chapter 8. Verse 31. And there's so much good stuff in here. We're going we're gonna to dive into this and break all this up sooner. But right now we don't have time to break it down. But I just want to read it so we can just hear the promises and the truth of this resurrection that we have. So verse 31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of the resurrection, because Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf, the one who has given up his life, the one who resurrected from the dead, this is the one we have our confidence in. Nothing can overcome us in Christ. Nothing can separate us from Christ and his love. Nothing. We can have confidence because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can have confidence that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that? I know we go through moments of doubt. I know we go through moments where we're struggling. But if you are in Christ, Christ is at the right hand of God interceding for us. And there's nothing that can separate you from him and his love. What a great promise we have in the scripture. What a great promise we have in this gospel. That there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And so we see God's righteousness revealed. We can experience this justification, this right standing before God. If you read through the book of Romans, the first part of Romans will tell us we deserve the wrath of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one, there's no one who is righteous. No one. But Jesus, he came 
and he conquered sin and death. And now we can be justified in front of a holy God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense that even your best efforts of being righteous is still not good enough? We're not talking about blatant sin here. We're talking about even those who seek to do good. It's still not good enough. So when you stand before a holy and righteous God, Jesus is good enough. He's enough. If you put your faith in him, you will be justified. You will be made right in front of God. You will receive the righteousness of God imputed to you. And he will take on the wrath, the sinfulness of your life. What an exchange. What an exchange. So we see God's righteousness. We see God's power. The fact that we can raise from the dead. Oh my goodness. We can raise from the dead. What kind of power do you need? What else do you need? What other hope do you need? That's the power of the resurrection. I don't know if you've seen somebody's life before they were justified, before they were saved. But if you see their life now, after they are saved, you see the power of God. You see that they have died to sin and are alive in Christ. That they no longer live for their old life, but they have a new life in Christ. That's the power of God in us. We are in Christ. And because we have died to sin and we are alive in Christ, we are united with him in his death and his resurrection. And we see the grace revealed. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10 and we'll end here. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. What a gracious gift of God. That if you just believe this gospel that was given to you through the word of God, if you just believe it and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. You don't have to doubt it. There's no shame. If you put your faith in Jesus, you will be saved. It is a promise. There may be some of us in here who are what we call nominal Christians. People who just say, I'm a Christian because I grew up in church and my mom and dad was a Christian and, you know, I believe in God. But this power, this righteousness, this grace you have never experienced. If that's you this morning and, and God is opening your eyes and opening your heart to this gospel, have faith. 
believe. Just believe it and confess it with your mouth. Seek the forgiveness of God. Put your trust in Him and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. For some of us in here today, we belong to Christ, but the resurrection power seems to be diminishing in our life. We don't live for Christ. We live for our flesh. We don't live by the Spirit, but we live by the flesh. And we know we belong to Christ, but we're fighting this sin within us. Sin is still reigning, but we have power over sin. We see sin and its life in all of humanity. It won't stop. It's a fight. It's a fight every single day. question is, are you willing to fight? And are you willing to place your faith in the one who gave you life, the one who gives you justification, the one who sanctifies you, and the one one day will glorify you with him? And maybe you're here this morning and you're just excited to just hear about this good news over and over and over and over and over again. And just remember the good news of the resurrection, that sin and death are conquered. This morning we are here to celebrate, to worship. We adore you, Jesus. We are thankful for you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. So we're going to take this time to reflect, to reflect on the gospel, to reflect on the word. I'm going to pray. Angie and Seth's going to come up. We're going to sing a song. And maybe it's just a moment for you to sit there and think about this gospel that you really don't believe. And you need to ask the Lord to help you in faith. Maybe you are sitting there and you say, I want to believe then have faith, then have faith and confess it with your mouth. Maybe you're sitting there and you're the person who is struggling with living for Christ. Seek his face this morning and ask for his help. Maybe we're just here enjoying the good news and desire to just lift up the name of Jesus. The altar's open. If you feel comfortable, pray with somebody you trust. I'm here, Casey's here, Jason's here, Scott's here. Come grab somebody. We'd love to talk about Jesus with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that you sent him as one who would justify us who would make us right with you. The fact that I'm able to pray to you right now is because it's through Jesus Christ. And God, we are so thankful for him. And Jesus, we are so thankful for you this morning. We, we worship you. God, we ask as you move into the hearts of people 
that you would draw them nearer to you and that you would reveal this beautiful gospel, this good news of Jesus to them and their eyes would be open. God, we're here to worship you. We're here because we adore you. We're here to celebrate this good news that Jesus is resurrected and our sin and death is defeated. Thank you, Jesus.